even cares about each and every one of us from the big to the small. And not only that, he is an everlasting God. He cares. Now he will continue to care for us. Oh, I thank God for the God that we do serve. And I pray that you all were blessed by the worship. I know I was. And I pray God was pleased with our worship. Uh, you know, we don't come to church just to be seen, just to, 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 to see what people got on. It's not a social gathering. It's not a business gathering. It's not a time to network. We come to church to praise, to worship, to magnify the God that we serve. And it's a blessing to be here today. Amen. So first, give an honor to God, who is the head of my life in the presence of our pastor, Pastor Brandon. Good to see you sitting down and getting some rest today. I, I, I asked him to allow me to come. It's not often that I do that because he does such a fine job, but he also needs rest as well. He's a young man, but we don't want him to get burnt out. Amen. He does so much on the job. He does so much counseling. He has children that has to take up. And sometimes it weighs on a pastor, even a young man. And I, I felt like it was a time for him to just sit down for a moment and take a breather. Amen. So enjoy yourself today, Pastor. Amen. So we thank God for my mother being in the house. Amen. Glad to see you. Glad to see my wife. Amen. Of 19 years. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. We were able to celebrate our 19th honeymoon. And I tell you, that's another blessing that we're able to go and, and share our love with each other and rekindle our flame. Amen. Every year. And it's a blessing because I, I do that because the first year we got married, we were not able to go on the honeymoon. We didn't go. We went later. But I promised her we, if we couldn't go now, I would do all I can to make sure we celebrate our anniversary as a honeymoon. And it helps keep our love fresh. It helps keep the marriage fresh. And, you know, when you have children, when you have teenagers, there's so much that comes in. It, it comes in even before then. There's so much comes in to try to destroy a marriage. But as you get older, the longer you stay together, sometimes it's harder. So it's important that we take time apart to spend time with one another. Amen, Brandon? Amen. So right now, we're not going to be uh, belay any more of the time. We're going to get to the message today. Our message today is coming from John chapter 14. And we'll begin in verse 1. Amen. And it says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way you know. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Amen. The Lord had a blessing to the reading of his word. May you bow your heads and pray. God, we thank you for another opportunity to dive into your word. We pray as we do such that I may speak 
clarity and that my humanity does not show so much that we miss your glory in the word. We pray that your love and understanding is revealed throughout the day and we will do all that we can to keep today holy in Jesus name. Amen. We're going to use for a topic today. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, my granddaughter, Nakaria, and I, we were shopping, and uh, it was a week prior to Thanksgiving. She made a, uh, an observation that uh, it was right after Hall uh, Halloween, and it was right before Thanksgiving. And she said, wow, the retailers, they go straight from Halloween to Christmas. There's nothing about Thanksgiving. There's nothing about in the retail setting about Thanksgiving, and, and she was so correct. Matter of fact, uh, retailers, they will go, they used to be on, on, on Black Friday, they, they'll start on Thanksgiving day, Thanksgiving night, they would, 12 midnight, they would start the Black Friday sales, but now they're trying to rush it as soon as possible uh, to get into it. It's all about the retail, getting the retail dollars. And the Christmas season is becoming more and more about sales and, and, and companies coming up out of bad years and, and all of those things. And it's becoming less and less about who it's supposed to be about. Christmas is about Jesus. It is Christmas. And it, it, it even gets to the point that when you see Christmas written, it's Xmas. They're Xing Christ out. Uh, it's getting to the point that that they don't even say Merry Christmas nowadays. The, the proper greeting now they say is Happy Holidays. Everything is going toward moving Christ out. So I felt the imperative for us as we are a Bible-believing church, a Christian church, believing in Jesus, that we need to get our focus together. I, I know we get caught up in the Christmas season as well, but don't get so caught up in the season that we don't, don't celebrate who we are, uh, are supposed to be celebrating. Amen? And it is Jesus. And so I felt a need to get in today and let's get a little bit more to know a little bit about who we are celebrating so we can help share who we are celebrating and why. Amen. And so in our text here in John 14, Jesus is comforting his disciples. He is preparing them for the next phase of their lives, that it will be without his physical presence. He was letting them know that <clears throat> his preparation for what's next wouldn't be a natural one. He wouldn't be arranging lunch for them or carrying them, you know, the lunch with the two fishes and five loaves. He wouldn't be doing those kind of things in his preparation or carry them through the rough stormy seas. Matter of fact, it will not be done here on earth. He told him his preparation, he told him, he said that in my father's house is huge. It's filled with many mansions. He told them if it were not true, why would I even mention it? See, Jesus didn't have to say that. He had nothing to prove to them. His mentions of that was the simplest way to convey to them a peak of what heaven is like. It's big with many mansions. But he said he has to go and prepare a place for them. It's as if you, when you in, invite a guest over, 
uh, you can invite one or two guests to come and stay and it wouldn't be that hard because you can stretch out meals a little bit or and you can put them in a guest room for one or two. But he said he has to go prepare a place. Now, now he, he, he had 12 disciples, 11 which were coming with him, but, but he said he had many mansions. So he really didn't even have to prepare a place for his 12 disciples. But he said he must go and prepare a place. And, and I believe that he would needed to prepare a place because he wasn't just looking at those disciples. He was looking at all the disciples that were to come. And he needed to prepare so that, he, that heaven was ready for all those that were coming after him. Amen. And his preparation was not going to be an easy one. Amen. But he was going to invite everybody. He wasn't going to just invite the Jews. He was going to invite the Gentiles as well. He was inviting the slave and the free. He was inviting male and female. His preparation was all inclusive. Everybody was welcome. So Jesus let us know that a place has been prepared for all of his disciples and his method of preparation. They definitely could not understand at that time. His method of preparation was to be his death on the cross. And he said, and when it's ready, you will be invited, not only invited, but he will come and pick you up himself. He said, I'll come and receive you unto myself. And he said, I am telling you now so that when I go, you will know where I am. And and Thomas, as he always is, he says, Jesus, we don't know where you're going. Half of the time, we don't know where you are now, he said. He said, I don't know where you are half of the time. So how am I going to know where you're going when you leave? Thomas' response was out of uh, 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 what he was seeing naturally. He said, we don't know where you're going. If we don't know where you're going, then how will we know the way? It's what he asked. So our first point, which actually is a question, is what is your destination? What is your destination? See, Thomas asked the question, how can he know the way when we didn't even know the destination? You see, people actually see God in different ways for different reasons. See, in the 12 steps of any anonymous Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, Cocaine Anonymous, Gambling Anonymous, Overeating Anonymous, any anonymous you come with, they got a 12-step thing. And, and the third step is said, came to believe in a God that were greater than themselves. And I was in those rooms and, and they would allow any God that you choose of. The, what they wanted them to do is start believing in something other than themselves that could help them with their addiction. That was the sole purpose of them going to there. Most of them was to just stop doing whatever had them bound. And they told them, you can pick any God of your understanding. You can pick Buddha, Muhammad, Jesus, God. You can pick the door. You can pick the doorknob. You can pick the seat you're standing on. All they say was just pick something that you believe in other than yourself because they're so selfish. So they just get out of yourself. But then they were teaching wrong. But they were hoping they would find the true living God. But they told them to do that. And you can pick anything you want. But their main purpose, I want 
is what I want to convey is that their main purpose was to stop the addiction that they were being bound to. But I'm going to tell you that Jesus is not just a way out. He's not just an answer to a problem. He's an answer to every problem. And it's not okay uh, to to believe that he's just uh, a teacher. Now, now, many people know that Jesus lived and he walked on this earth. The problem is the people understanding who he is and what he was and what he is. See, even the, the Buddhists knew, believed in Jesus. They believed him to be a teacher. Even the, the Muslims believed in Jesus, but they believed him to be a prophet. But, but I just wanted to just touch on those two facts. Because if they believed that he was a teacher and he taught that 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 he was going to if he taught that that he was going to die and and get up again and he was teaching that he was the son of God. If he was teaching those things and you didn't believe him, how can you say he was a good teacher? If you believe he was a prophet, he said that not only he's going to die, but on the third day he's going to rise and then he's coming again. And receive us all. If you believe he was such a great prophet and you don't believe that, how can you say he's a great prophet? I'm telling you, they're being blasphemous. If they don't, if they can believe part and don't believe all, then they don't believe Jesus. And it even happens in this church, in churches. I ain't going to say this church. It even happens in churches. People come to church and they believe that Jesus is a way, that he's a way out of situations. He's a way out of problems. He's a way to get you out of your situation. He's a way of healing. He's a way of provision. He is all of that, but he's all of that and much, much more. Don't look at him as <laughs> I remember one preacher say he's a he's a money God. He's a church God. God, he's a good God. He's an umbrella God. He's a, no, he's much more than all of those things. He's not just one. He's all and above. So don't look at him for that one thing that he can do. It's, it's one thing that he does want to do, and that's he wants to save our souls. That's the main thing. He cares about the little things that we go through, but the main thing he's here is for salvation. Amen. <clears throat> so, so we come to church sometimes that we presuppose that everyone in church believes that Jesus is the same that we are. Preachers and laymen alike, they believe, some believe that Jesus is a way. But in John chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by any other way, that man is a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens the door, hear his voice. And when he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out, when he was bought out of all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow. But they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So you can't trick your way in this. You can't talk your way in. You can't step your way in. You must come through the door. Straight, honest, visible. You must be straight who you are and be who you are. You can't come any other way. You must come through the door. So what you listen to is important. Someone can... 
come up with a theory or theology of what God is, and it can sound so convincing, can even make many people follow it, or even recreate an old theology that worked back then but was disproven. But today they recreate it, turn it around and make it sound relative today. But it won't work. It will fail just like all the others had failed. So you need to be careful what you're listening to because you will follow the things. He said, but, but, but my sheep know my voice. And, and if something sounds strange, it's probably coming from a stranger. Huh? If it sounds strange, it's from a stranger. And we should not follow a stranger. Amen. We should distinguish his voice. Know the voice of God by what is being said. If it's a message that's hateful, if it teaches to hate a person because of their color, if it teaches you to do things that counter what is written in the Bible. I have heard even some say the Bible is irrelevant. The Bible is wrong so that you can just discredit everything that's in the Bible. We need to be careful today of what we are listening to. And see, the only purpose of those people is to get us off track, to get us out of the way, get us turned around, get us going different than the way that we're going. That's the only purpose, to get us to turn around from where we are going. So we've got to be careful. Even in churches, that was one family that I, I recall that that family grew up real close to them. Everyone in the house went to church. It was a Southern Baptist church. The, the father, the grandfather, the family, he was a head deacon. He, he built the church. His name was on the corners. It's still on the cornerstone of that church. The, the mother of the house was a, a secretary of the church, the, a soprano, head soprano singer. Very prominent in the church. She raised all the children in the church. And as you know, when their ways and and I and I watched that family and 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 there was one man in the family that when he left he he did all kinds of things and then as he got older he became a witness of Jehovah and I watched him and and and, and his life did get better he did much better things he did when he was before then he was only thinking about self he did things that would benefit him whatever he did if it didn't benefit him he wouldn't do it and, and, but when he became a witness, he did change some of those things. And there was a, a, a daughter that was in that family. She was uh, played the piano and she was a singer. She led a lot of the songs. And, and when she got older, she became uh, a keynote speaker for the, I can't think of the, the, I can't think of the way they say the church. Let me see if I got the, the I will say it right, Institute of divine metaphysical research is the church. But that truth belief is in Yahweh. You've heard of Yahweh. Now there's two divisions. I'm not going to go into that detail. My point is they were all raised in the Christian church, in the Christian home, but they all went different ways when they became an adult. Now in all these examples I gave you, I gave you an example of the ones that were in drugs and then that, the two other families that I gave you, they all changed their lives dramatically from what they used to be. 
uh, that, but our destination should be higher ju than just living a good life here on earth. Our standards should be more than that. It should be more than just trying to live our best life now. Because I must let you know that no matter how well you live it here, it does not compare to the life we receive after this one. If we have Jesus as our Lord, if we have Jesus as our Savior, he's not here just to change our life, to make it a better life down here. He can give you that, but that's not his sole purpose, I must say again. So the next question is, how are we getting there? The second point or second question, nor the destination. Second is, how are you getting there? In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, it says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Any grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. <clears throat> Pardon me. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. See, don't look to the crowds. See, Jesus is warning us here not to be so convinced by the size of a crowd or by the direction that the masses are taking. Jesus is warning that the majority is not always right. Matter of fact, he clarifies the majority are usually wrong. Amen. The majority is usually going the wrong way. So he's letting us know to be prepared. The entrance is narrow. The path is harder. The road is not as smooth sometimes as you may think it will be. And sometimes because the road is hard, you think that I might be going the wrong way. Because you may not be expected to be uh, going through things such as that when you're on the right path. You think the right path should be easy. But he's letting you know, be prepared because there's going to be some hard points in your journey. There are going to be some times when it's going to be difficult. In the long run, when the race is over, when the journey is over, you will see that it was all worth it and much easier than the alternative. You'll make it, you will have to make it through some difficult times. You might have to make some difficult decisions where you might be the only one that's standing up for what's right. You might be the only one that, that feels the way you do. But I tell you, if you're standing on the word, stand on it. 
If you're standing on the word, no matter who else is standing, if you're standing alone, stand on it. If it's in the Bible and you're seeking, that's what you're speaking and that's your point, stand on your point. Amen. Because there's going to be many times when that, no, we are at a time that when things in the Bible are being turned around and, and people are going against what is written. Stand on the word. Amen. So Jesus also is letting us know in that is that we should listen with our eyes. Don't just hear what you're saying. See what they're saying. See, you can always tell somebody if you watch their life. See how their life speaks. See, somebody can speak something for a little time and they can convince you that they're this or that. Anybody, I can go pick somebody off the street today, shave them up, wash their hair. That's under the bridge. We always look, Ray always look at the bridge. We can go get one of them, bring them, clean up, and you will look and think that he might be a preacher by the way he dressed. And I know some preachers that wear overalls still today, often. You come in, you might think they have nothing. They're wealthy, but they like to wear overalls things. So you can't go by appearance. See their lives. Don't just go off with one message. See how they're living. And then now there's this craze on on on, and on uh, internet, well, YouTube. That's what I'm trying to think of, and TikTok, and all. I don't know all of them, but they've got different messages, different speakers going on, saying all kinds of things. And if you listen to them long enough, it will sound true. But there's no way you can validate anything that they're saying. Because you don't know their lives. They can come on in 30 minutes and make you believe anything. Oh, I'm a vegetarian. I don't eat that. And, that. and then they go and do whatever they want to do. There's no way you can know what they're doing. So just, you, you must, Jesus has warned us, we must see their life, not just hear their life. Amen. So don't just listen. to And then another thing people do, they'll come and they'll speak English on Sundays. Then they'll leave here and they'll speak French, you know. Pardon my French. They speak all kind of languages when they leave. They dress and live a certain way when they come to church. But when they leave, they hope six, six days a week they're a different person. Then they come to church and Sunday. They're, I worked at a car lot, and this guy was um, he was a metamorphosis. He could he was a chameleon. That's what it was. This guy he was a very good salesman. He could come in when he met me. He was a preacher. And when he met me, and then he was coming to sell cars, and some people said, oh, I got a blessing for you. You can say all the right things. Then here comes somebody with sagging pants. He can say all the raps. If, and then a, a Caucasian person come in, he would sound so country. He could be whatever he needed to be to make that sale. And that's how some people are. If you see them for a moment, but watch their lives. And then you can determine what somebody is. And that was Jesus warning us. He said, watch out for the wolves in the sheep's clothing because they're just coming to deceive you and to take that what you have. He told them that, he said that you can tell them by the fruit that they bear. You can tell them by the fruit that they bear. Now, uh, I, I can't take this credit, this analogy is because I get it from my grandmother. My, not my grandmother, my mother-in-law. We got pecan trees, Brandon, and usually every year she comes, she brings pecans for the whole church that we used to go to. So many pecans. 
And this year, I looked, I said, we haven't gotten any pecans yet. She said, no, because she forgot to fertilize last this spring. So my point to that is, even with trees that bear good fruit, it takes some work. You got to put some stuff in, you got to treat it in order for things to bear good fruit. It goes the same way in the spiritual life. You just can't think that because I'm saved, I'm going to bear all the fruit that I need to do. No, you've got to treat yourself. You've got to study. You've got to study corporately. You've got to be in prayer. You've got to be in meditation. You've got to be in the word. It doesn't just bear fruit naturally. There are some things that you must do in order to bear the fruit, to keep the fruit producing. Amen. You can't get saved in 1927 and in 1997 think that you still got the same fruit that you had then because it will not work. Amen. So spiritually, we've got to keep our maintenance up. And it's as obvious, Jesus was letting you know, it's as obvious for somebody who's actually producing fruits spiritually and naturally as it is a tree that produces good and a tree that doesn't if you're watching so jesus was saying watch what you're seeing and pastor brandon let us know there's some walking around that's trying to even deceive us now he spoke that they're testifying of how they are able to do this and they are able to do that but but they're testifying of their good works and little about his good work. So you can tell by what people say. Amen. Jesus warned us that on this narrow and rocky journey to keep our focus on him. He was warning us that sometimes the road gets rough. Let us know that the going gets tough and the hills, they get hard to climb. My favorite song growing up was written by Aunt Inez Andrews, he, who was from Birmingham, and her song, the song was, uh, uh, Lord, please don't move my mountain, but give me the strength to climb. She said, don't take away my stumbling block, but lead me all around. And see, that's what we need to be as Christians. We need the strength to get through things because Things are going to be there. Things are going to come. And you don't want to have to turn around every time you go through a problem. Every time something comes in, go, Pastor, I need you to help me through this. No, sometimes you just got to go through. If you ask your head, promise you, there is no temptation that is coming to man that you will not be able to escape. That he will not be able to carry you through. And if you know that through, if he put you through it, he can get you through it. Amen. So trust in him. He will get you through. There's nothing too hard. Nowadays, they, oh, let me get off nowadays and stick to the word. Amen. Amen. So last point and our final question is what is your dilemma? What is your dilemma? Now, I, I was studying in typing in the question dilemma and what happened was when I spelled it the way I was taught in high school D-I-L-E-M-N-A it spelled it D-I-L-E-M-M-A wait a minute so I had to study and I realized I found out that after 1980 they changed the dictionary but they said they overcorrected it when I was young 
and then they realized that it was overcorrection, and so they corrected it. But at that moment, like what? My world was shook because I couldn't I, I couldn't spell it that other way. It just did not seem right. So my question is, what is your dilemma? What is that thing that you've been doing all your life? You've been doing it this way your whole life. You've been going this direction. And then Jesus shows to you that that's not the right way. What do you do? When you're going, you're traveling, you've been at this church the whole time. And even sometimes the word that you've gotten from the, your pastor, and it was this way. And then you read and then the Lord shows you that it's different. What do you See, we are supposed to be following Jesus. It says, Jesus is the way, right? So when you get an autocorrect, when you, you know, you type it in, then it corrects you. How do you handle it? How do you handle that issue? Do you argue with it? Well, that's the way I was taught, so that's the way I will do it. Or do you convince the corrector that they need correction? <laughs> no, no, you're wrong. Or do you just accept? No, sometimes even when you're driving on GPS and it'll show you a different way. So no, this is the way. But, but it's showing you that way because there might be an accident or, or the road might be. Something might have happened. And so it's telling you. And then when you go the way you want to go, you understand why it tried to send you the other way. What happens when Jesus telling you, don't go that way no more. You need to come back this way. What do you do? I, I remember there was a king that had that dilemma that uh, you know the story of uh, David and Nathan. See, uh, David after his sin with Bathsheba in Second Samuel chapter 12. When Nathan told him the story of the man that, that had, the rich man that had all these sheep and all these flocks and all these herds and there was this poor man who didn't have anything. He got enough money to go buy him a little baby sheep. And then the, the rich man continued to get more. And the, the poor man, just all he did was raise that sheep just like it was a child. Like it was more than a pet. He raised it like a child. He took care of it. He nurtured He fed it. He washed it. He kept that sheep looking good. And, and then when the rich man had a guest coming over, I guess he wanted to impress so that sheep probably looked better than all the sheep he had. So he wanted to go and get that sheep to impress the man that was coming over for dinner. And, and, and so he went and took that sheep. And, and then so Nathan asked him as a king, what would you do to that man that took that only sheep that that man had? What would you do? Nathan, I mean, David said, I would, that man deserves death. And... Nathan said, thou art that man. What do you do when somebody, when a prophet or Nathan or somebody comes to you and tell you that thou art that man? Thou art that woman. What do you do? David immediately fell on his knees, prayed, repented, asked for forgiveness and repent it. That is what we do. We don't hang, we don't waddle in, we don't feel sorry for ourselves. We ask for forgiveness and then we turn away from what we had done. 
no matter what it is. And he will forgive you. If you have the heart to repent and to get back on the right way. We are human. We are human. And sometimes you can be deceived. It happens. Don't stay in the wrong way when it's shown it's the wrong way. Amen. We get back to our original text. Verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have seen my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. From now on, you know him. See, Jesus sitting right there with Thomas told him, you know the Father because you know me. The Father and the Son are one. If you want to know God, know Jesus. If you want to know God, know Jesus. If all thy getting, get a better understanding of the one we are celebrating. Get a better understanding of God, his ways, his way in your life, and his way that he wants you to go. David Platt was asked, what happens to innocent children? born in a remote part of the earth who has never heard this gospel and they die before they can commit any sin. He answered that that child, if he was born innocent, never had a sin, without question, that child go to heaven. Boy or girl, man or woman, come live this life innocent without sin, they go to heaven. If he lives his life, dies without ever hearing the gospel, but didn't do any sin, he go to heaven. He do. They don't need to hear the gospel because they haven't done anything. They haven't done any sin. So no, they don't need the gospel. They had no need to hear that Jesus saves because they didn't need saving. The problem with that is that that child does not exist. There's not a child born innocent because every person born of this earth was born guilty and needed to be saved. They need the gospel. Every person on this, no matter what remote place it is, no matter where they are, no matter who they are, if they are living on this earth, they are guilty of sin and they need saving. Hmm. There are guilty people everywhere, all of the world, that need, that are desperate to hear the gospel. That's why we must share it.
That's why it's so important that in this Christmas season that we don't get caught up on everything else that's going on. We need to share the gospel because if you just look around, you can see that they need to hear it. Tremaine Hawkins sang a song when I was young. She used to sing. He says, I will open up my heart to everyone I see and say, Jesus Christ is the way. That's what we got to do. Open up our hearts. Don't just keep it all to us. We don't have this salvation just for us, just for our family. It's for us to share it to everyone we see and let them know that Jesus Christ is the way. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for showing yourself to us today. We pray that your word has inspired someone to want to start walking in your way. That they will realize that this message was for them and that they can begin a relationship with you. And as you said in Romans 10, anyone who calls on your name can be saved. And that from this day forth that they begin calling upon you. God, we pray that if there be someone who has strayed away, who've lost the way, who, who is still with you, but they've just lost focus a bit. We pray, God, that they regain their vigor, that they regain their love for you and replace some of those things that are hindering their fruit production and that, that they are revived in their hearts and have a renewed energy to share your gospel to this very needed generation. God, we thank you for all your many blessings. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.